welcome to the Family Travel Podcast by A Big Peachy Adventure, where we help families plan their adventures, whether it's for a week, indefinite, or anywhere in between. No matter what your budget, we bring you hints and tips from the experts, inspirational stories of families who are living their dreams, as well as must-see highlights from places that we and our guests visit. Welcome to A Big Peach Adventure, the podcast for travelling families. I'm Michael. And I'm Natalie. Um, Today we are in Newcastle. We had a travel day from Sydney to Newcastle and we've just quickly pulled over beside the road so we could do this interview. Um, The kids are happily playing in the park. So today we have uh, with us Tanil from Teaching on the Road Australia. Tanil's a teacher who specialises in homeschooling while travelling. We think that Tanil is a great resource. The information that we cover is great for people who are homeschooling in general, but Tanil and her family being on the road themselves, um, there's some particular points in there that are great in terms of applying that to people who are on the move. Now, I have to give another apology. Uh little Eddie, our seven-month-old, strikes again. You'll hear me at the beginning of the interview, then you'll hear a bit of shrieks from Eddie, and then I swiftly take him out of the car to go and play in the park because it just wasn't working with him in the car on my lap. So apologies. So unless you're driving, don't forget to pull your phone out or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, Get over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're using and leave us a review. Uh, but also comment as well. Let us know what you like, if anything, but more importantly, how we can improve and if there's any other topics you'd like us to bring to you. Now, as always, uh, we link to all the resources in the show notes. But despite that, we uh, recommend you get a notebook and pen ready because this interview is packed with so much useful information if you're homeschooling, whether it be on the road or otherwise. So without further ado, here is our interview with Janil. Welcome on to the show, Neil. How are you today? Oh, good, thank you. Nice and uh, it's balmy, about 35 in Broome. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful where it's not so warm where we are. I think um, a bit of a cool change has come through. I think it's about 18 degrees and we're wearing jumpers, so we're very envious of you. <laughs> you need to get north. Now, just give you a heads up, I've got a little baby on my lap at the moment. Um, so if he starts to play up, I'll be exiting um, and Michael will take over. But um, to start off with, how about you tell us a bit about yourself, um, your family and your tools? Sure. So we've been on the road for about eight months now. We uh, officially moved out of our house in Brisbane uh, very early in October last year. plan was to go for 10 months. So we're kind of coming to the, to the countdown part of the trip, unfortunately, <laughs> instead of the counting up with about two months to go. Um, we kind of just hit the road because we were moving out of our place in Brisbane and, and my kids were changing schools and I was changing jobs and we have to resettle in Canberra. So an opportunity sort of came up to to go and travel Australia and when the cards align you can't really you can't really say no to that, can you? Mm, no. So how did um, teaching on the road Australia start? Uh, I think we were in Tasmania um, and I found myself constantly out of interest asking people so what do you do for school <laughs> I think I asked everyone that question because I find it fascinating there are so many different ways people are educating their kids on the road um, and then I found myself always offering advice and suggestions and I thought well why am I not why am I not doing more with this because for me it, it keeps my skills um, relevant if I'm using them while traveling 
Um, and doing a blog and everything, that's not something that I've done before. So it was kind of an opportunity for personal and professional development as well as helping others, which I can, I've learned a lot about blogs. And today I'm learning about podcasts. So, so these are all skills that will help me. Yeah, we're learning all about it too as we go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we're the same. We've found a lot of people are very interested in schooling, uh, which is why we're actually doing this podcast today because yeah. we've had a lot of people writing into us, asking us to um, write about this topic, talk about this topic. Uh, with your background as a teacher, uh, in your opinion, um, you know, do homeschooled kids end up behind or the same or ahead of their peers uh, if a family takes a year out of the school system? I do think travelling Australia definitely benefits them. And and if you are running some kind of structured program, your kids should return to school at the same level, if not higher. But based on that fact that you engage in conversations with them, provide um, learning experiences by visiting places. But in, you can't just visit places. You have to talk about it and you have to question those experiences and let them solidify them afterwards. You know, like my kids make Lego creations of caves after they've been to caves. And my eldest likes to paint a picture of a lighthouse after he's been to a lighthouse. Like you have to give the kids the opportunity to really make the new learning concrete. And if you offer those opportunities, then there's no reason why your kids won't be ahead because school can't offer those life experiences that you can get by traveling Australia. We see it. We see it hands on. We're not reading about it in a book or seeing it on, a, on an interactive whiteboard. Excellent. So I guess that was, that's probably one of the main benefits we've seen as well is that when you're out there traveling, instead of sitting there in a classroom learning about wombats, you're actually out there seeing them and getting to pat them and seeing what they do in real life. Are there any other advantages of homeschooling? Uh, well, I think the advantages are kind of kind of endless. I mean, in the classroom, you usually what twenty six to thirty five children for one child, and maybe a sorry for one teacher and maybe a teacher's aide. We're one on one, so even if even if you're only managing one hour a day one on one, that's still more one on one than a child's going to get in the classroom. And not to mention, like my son, he's doing year two, but he's he's very independent. So he can knock off his program pretty quickly because he doesn't need a lot of the explanation that comes with a lot of lessons. You know, in the classroom, we have to sit down and we have to check for understanding and all of this. But you always have those few students that could just go and do it without your instructions. And, and you know, my kid gets that chance chance to do that. So he knocks off his, well, on Sundays, he knocks off his work a lot quicker. Um, you have the advantage of, I've found there's been a few math concepts that, um, we don't need to spend long on because he already knows them. But you find in the classroom you're still, you're still having to get every kid doing, you know, similar things. So uh, the program can be a lot more tailored. You can spend longer on things that they're not grasping. We spend a lot more time on um, learning about time, the quarter past and quarter two, because my son took a long time to do it. So instead of focusing on it for just a week of maths, I think we did it about two weeks until he got it and we just didn't move on uh, as well as that I think as parents when your kids go to school you don't often know what they're struggling with you don't know what they're good at and you don't know what what's challenging for them but when you're homeschooling them you know exactly where they're at well, so what does a typical day look like for you guys when you homeschool your kids 
I'll go back a step and I'll tell you what I do on the weekend before we do that. Because I guess there's a little bit of difference between homeschool and distance education. So with homeschool, I have to write my own program. Um, I have to plan the lessons. Whereas with distance education, you will be given the programming that you just deliver. So it is my responsibility as the homeschool parent that I have to plan his activities. And I, I don't just wing it. I don't just do it day by day. So usually on a Sunday night when all is quiet and the kids have gone to bed, I'll grab out, I just have my laptop. I have a very basic Word document which has a table on it from Monday to Friday. And I will just write in what we're going to do for the week. The things I take into consideration would be if we have a travel day, then I will plan him work for the car, but it has to be independent work. It can't be teaching new concepts because it's just too hard, too manic. Um, so I'll plan that in and make that an easy day of work that I think he can do. You know, like we have a, a grammar once a week book, so I'll give him that. He's really great at his travel journal now, so I'll give him his travel journal for the car and I'll give him best practice. If we're going to do anything significant, um, for example, when yesterday we went to go and see those the dinosaur footprints in Broome. So I'll write that on my program because it's still a learning opportunity. So often we might have a day where we don't do formal learning, but we've done natural learning or I suppose an informal type learning thing by visiting these sites. So I might not give him as much. And on the other days, I'll program like basic week. I'll do writing every day. So I make sure he writes every day. And if I don't get him to do it every day, then he'll complain when I do ask him to do it. So usually I'll do a journal on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, I'll try and do another writing topic or writing skill. We do maths every day. We read every day. And I try and do science maybe once a week. And our society and environment type subject, that tends to be when it's relevant and when there's, when there's something that's come up. And we always, we always do our learning very early in the morning. I give him short breaks if he needs it. And I, I reckon it's, you know, like probably an hour and a half to two hours of work every day. After that one, to, one and a half to two hours of work every day, you've pretty much done everything that you would have done in a whole day in the classroom. Pretty much. Well, you consider, you consider the break times that they would normally have at school, the amount of time they'd be sitting on the carpet listening to the teacher. We don't have that. We're doing, we're, you know, straight doing work, getting instant feedback on, on the work that you've done. Like that's, that's a good concentrated amount of time if you can get that in every day. Excellent. And you mentioned that you do, say, the maths every day. Uh, what are the sort of things that parents can incorporate into their everyday routine uh, in the, and, and make every day a teaching environment? Well, conversation is probably one of, one of the biggest things. You, you need to engage in conversation in your kids. And it doesn't have to be forced. It can be really natural. I've got a four-year-old that just asks relentless questions all day long. And, you know, sometimes we're not in the mood to answer them. But for his benefit, he needs that repetition and he needs us to answer his questions no matter how sick of them we, <laughs> we are. Um, I find... Always ask questions when you visit new places. There are so many opportunities when you when you go to a new site. There usually is an information board or signpost of some kind that you can read. Read it to your kids and ask them, do you know what that word means? Do you know what why this is important? Playing games. Uh, I've noticed the, the biggest thing with my four-year-old, he doesn't do any formal, formal learning. 
Um, but we play a lot of games. Um, they teach them math concepts. They teach them ne negotiation and they teach them how to follow rules. The biggest one was we couldn't believe. I bought $3 magnetic snakes and ladders from Kmart that he loved playing in the car. That thing has actually taught him to read the numbers 1 to 100, how to count on, and even how to count backwards. Like That's uh, money yeah. well spent. I know, isn't it? And he, loved, he loves to play it. Never intended to teach him how to read those numbers. It was just, you know, he spends so much time in the car. Magnetic snakes and ladders made sense for the car. And he just enjoyed that stimulation and learning it. Yeah, he, and he's fabulous with his numbers now. Um, our kids have been fascinated with trump cards. I don't know if you've heard of trump cards before. All different decks of cards that come in different themes. So we've got a couple of superhero ones. We've got one that's Australia themed. We've got one that's like deep sea creatures. They give you an... They give you 30, 30 different characters or places or whatever they are with um, attributes. And so you learn to read the attributes and, and their qualities and then you you compare them with your partner. So say you split the deck and you might say in the superheroes ones, they usually fight for um, top trump rating or say strength. So my four-year-old knows how to read the He knows this is strength and he'll say, I challenge you for strength. And if you have the higher number... You keep the cards. So, again, it's another concept that he's been learning, which is higher and lower just from playing these cards. And seriously, they're about, I think they're $9.99 usually from Toy World. What I might do then is I might um, link to those in the show notes just so people can easily find out what they are and uh, they sound like a really good resource. Yeah. And sorry, just a few other things. Like I, One of the hardest things I found is reading to your kids every day it becomes really hard in a caravan because if, if you're like us, um, anywhere from dinner onwards gets a bit crazy. I know what you're talking about there. We, we always read to our kids at night time at home, but I swear it seems so much easier. Um, I, I would recommend, re recommend doing that because the best thing you can do for your kids is really build their vocab. And by listening to books, you really are, you're building on their vocab and that's what you're doing with the conversations as well. Um, and one of the other things I'd suggest is your kids will exhibit all sorts of different behaviours when you live in such a closed environment. And, and I do really recommend try to understand their behaviours instead of finding it frustrating because you're going to see, you've got to learn what boredom is for them and when to know that they need to be physical act and active or when they're tired, when they're hungry and have something ready to go. Uh, my kids have been, they've been silly in the caravan today. They've been play fighting and it's enough to drive you crazy. They've actually destroyed it at the moment. It's pretty messy. But like I said to my husband, I said, you need to take them to the pool because they need to go and exert some energy. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And but, when you mentioned with the reading and, and reading to your children every night, so our daughter, Chloe, she's seven and she can she's a bookworm. She loves reading and yep. she reads uh, by herself every night. At what point do does self-led reading uh, become more beneficial than being read to or you know, is being read to still beneficial to children um, from the ages of seven and up? Even if it's in a more formal sense in your learning, you still need to listen to her read to check that she is implementing good strategies in her reading, so have her read to you to make sure that she doesn't just skim past a word that she doesn't know, you know. Should I be, I should be finishing these sentences and then saying, did, did you know what that word meant? 
okay, well, let's stop and let's think about what that word meant. So making sure that they're getting the comprehension of the book because, I mean, it is one thing for them to be reading a book, but you really want them to understand what it's all about. So get them to read to you. Um, and reading to them is purely, I suppose, the enjoyment thing. Every kid loves being read to. Another solution, I suppose, to that, which when you are time poor, which does happen in the caravan, I found is Borrow Box is a electronic library system. So you need to have a library card from any library and know your PIN. You download the app for Borrow Box on your phone or on a, on a tablet kind of thing. Um, so you can go in and you're borrowing books, but the beauty of it is that they do have audio books as well. It's, it's free as it, this is as opposed to paying for a membership to an, an audio site that has audio books, this is free and you are only borrowing them and there are limited borrows available because they obviously purchase sort of rights to certain ones from Audible. But that's another option. So you can borrow books and let your kids listen to them being read to them if you don't have the time to read to them yourself. Excellent. I, I like the sound of that one. I'll definitely be adding that to our list. Uh, other than the borrow box and, and those particular games that you mentioned, uh, are there any other specific resources uh, that you'd recommend? How much detail do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what, would, what would be the top five resources that you'd recommend uh, for primary school age children? Okay. Um, for, uh, for literacy and science, and even your house if you wanted to, I really like the RIC publications books. Um, I, I like them because they, are, they do have hands-on and good ideas. They also have a teacher's note page. So it will tell you sort of background knowledge and things that you need to maybe cue your kids or, or do further research on when you're doing it. So it, it gives you a lot of ideas, even if you're not confident. I use RIC Literacy One and I use it for comprehension and writing. And again, that's a really good car activity. So I'll give uh, my eldest a, a page and then he'll read it and he'll do the comprehension task. So also use a science one. And we've just finished, I'm just looking at the book now, we've just finished a unit on Earth, Space and Sciences. And, and it's really relevant to where we are. Like it's what are Earth's resources, investigating the resources, how do we use them, you know, will our resources run out? So it's really re relevant when you're in WA with limited water resources. So that's one, the RIC publications. Um, I do like the iMaths books, textbooks for maths, and there is a student book and a tracker book. Your tracker book is used like a little test book. They're really good. They have a lot of investigations in them. So if you have kids that like to do a lot of hands-on stuff, they're great for that. Um, I like Sunshine Online for an app over Reading Egg. Most people know Reading X, um, find not, not so many know Sunshine Online. The reason I like Sunshine Online better is that if the memberships cost about the same, but Reading X, you do a little bit of a pretest and then you go to a certain level based on your pretest. And you're, you're, not, you're not stuck there, but if you want to use it for a few of your children, you don't really have that capacity because you have the one membership. But Sunshine Online, you can access anything on there. So 
my four-year-old will sometimes look, do some of the alphabet recognition stuff, whereas my eldest will do some of the higher-level reading activities and comprehension. Um, a really great website if, if you get stuck for, let's say you're teaching fractions and you've done a textbook activity and they still haven't got it but you don't, you don't know where to go next, there's a great website called Teachers Pay Teachers. What it is is you can create account, an account for free and you can go on and you can browse a bunch of resources that teachers themselves have made and uploaded. Some of them are free and some of them you pay for. But you can specifically type in a, a concept if you were having trouble with fractions and you could browse through. You might find an awesome resource. You can do an instant download um, and you've got it there to print straight away. They all sound great. What are your thoughts on those books that you can get from, say, Officeworks or Audi where it's uh, mathematics uh, for you know, year two or English for year three, et cetera? How do you typically find those books? Uh, I don't personally use them myself. If you were using them, I think, in conjunction with another resource, they could be quite useful. The main thing I'd be looking for is, if they have links to the national curriculum or not. How easy is it to get a copy of the national curriculum? If you, if you went in front of those books, it would tell you if they've written it based on the national curriculum. Gotcha. So you don't have to access the national curriculum for that. Um, they will say on them um, if, they have, yeah, if they have written them with the national curriculum in mind. Uh, and I only say that because you don't want to be teaching your child a concept that is not usually taught at that level same as you don't want them to be skipping a skill that should have been taught um so i i would definitely look for that by the sound of things there's lots of advantages of homeschooling in terms of the personalized teaching what are some of the shortfalls of homeschooling and and how do you overcome them i still think that you know what you're offering in terms of the life experiences are outweighing any of the um any of the negatives there we kind of thought you know we wondered were we doing the right thing with our eldest socially and we have found that he's absolutely thriving we had a lot of family in Newcastle and we had family in Adelaide when we traveled through those areas but we didn't know anyone in WA so we thought oh, they could get really lonely WA is so big we're going to be there for a long time but they've met so many other kids on the road and they've learned you don't waste time meeting new kids. You just go and meet them and say, hi, do you want to play? But their confidence has grown in that regard. And, they, you know, they just want to play with anyone who's willing to play. It doesn't bother them. You know, that's funny because one of the – when we started homeschooling, one of the, you know, comments that I'd hear from people would be, hey, yeah, sure, they might do better academically, but they're going to suffer with their social skills. And we've found the same thing, that our kids have actually become more sociable and less introverted because they seek out other children their own age and go introduce themselves and want to play. So if anything, it's actually helped their social skills come ahead in leaps and bounds. On that, what would be some of the other myths of homeschooling that you hear? I think from... Look, from talking to a lot of people and trying to understand why they make the choice they do about schooling. I think a lot of people think that it's just too hard to plan the lessons yourself and they get intimidated by the reporting because, I mean, at the end of 
end of a 10th month period, I have to report to the Department of Education on on my son's progress. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, I can't do that. And even possibly the idea of when you apply for homeschool, you have to answer questions and write a proposed program that you'll implement. And people are scared by that. But I, I just feel like there's no need to be now because I, I think back maybe when I started teaching and a lot less was available on the internet, it, it would have been intimidating. I remember str- struggling in the beginning to even understand our curriculum documents and how to use them. But now with the national curriculum being available for you online and having so many apps on your iPad, websites available, you really do have the resources there to do it all. So what advice would you give to parents who are starting out and they're looking at putting together the proposal um, for the department and to say, yes, I want to homeschool and this is my curriculum? What would be a good starting point? I think get on to the national curriculum. It, it's a bit of an intimidating document to look at first. So if you just go on and Google the national curriculum, it'll take you to the page. The best parts to familiarise yourself would be is to go to your child's year level, to choose a subject, and then to scroll down the bottom of the page. Go past all these little wordy outcomes and read right down the bottom and it will say, by the end of year two, your child should be able to. And it will have a summary. So if I've gone to year two, maths, I've scrolled all the way down, it will say, by the end of year two, your child should be able to, and it will specifically have written the outcomes for that year. As well as that, just underneath that comment, there will be some links to some samples of work. Great. They are so good to look at. So download those samples of work, and it will show loads of samples of work, and it will have you have the choice of saying, below standard, at standard or above standard so you can print them you can keep them and you can look at them and say okay so this is what my child has done where do i do i think that is at standard below or above in comparison to these i think that would be the most useful part of the national curriculum for a parent who 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 is not you know as confident at using that document Okay, so that, that sounds like it'd be a lot easier to put together something and it's going to you know, tick the right boxes, which is, which is pretty cool. The biggest mistake I think people would be make is, is there's two, going on the road and not, and not doing anything formal. If, if you honestly expect your child to go back to mainstream schooling and not absolutely hate it or hate you for sending them back, you need some kind of routine and structure because they're going to have to go back and get used to it. So keep a little bit of a sense of we still do formal learning, we just do it in a different way. And even have a little bit of structure in that, you know, I know some families who do schoolwork every morning and that includes Saturday and Sunday. We do ours Monday to Friday. So so Kai knows Monday to Friday I expect you to do schoolwork. If I didn't do it every day, I would have a fight on my hands almost every day because he wouldn't want to do it. And this is especially, I think, if you have a child who is reluctant to schooling or has any difficulties with schooling or special needs, you even more so need to maintain that structure or them returning to school is just going to be too challenging. (laughs) And the other, I guess the other thing that I think is, and that's personal, I think is a little bit of a mistake, is when parents pack up and go and they say, right, we're not having any toys or anything in the van. 
I think you're totally setting yourself up for failure if you do that because my kids play Lego and that's amazing because that's time that I can sit down and do something for me and my mental health is important because I have to teach these children and I have to function well and, and I need time to myself and the same for my husband. So we have a, we have some Lego in the van. I just the other day went to Kmart and bought some of these magnetic shapes and they're amazing. My youngest is loving them because they can make all these um, three-dimensional cars and stuff like that. I think if you take that philosophy of deciding to go too minimalistic, that what you'll find is you'll have bored kids and bored kids display bad behaviour because they want something to do and they want your attention. Yeah, no, that's um, a very good point. And it's funny, you mentioned about the Lego or Duplo. We've found that with our four-year-old, that's actually been quite helpful for him at being able to recognise patterns, uh, his spatial awareness, and even being able to count as well because it's got the rows and arrays of numbers and he can oh, instantly look at a piece of Duplo and see there's six dots on it. Absolutely. And, you know, Lego is one of those draw cards. Other kids see it and they come and play and it's a good opportunity for kids to sit down and share together. And I think I said to you before, we had a phase, I think when we were in Tasmania, every time we went and did something, my kids would come back and they would role play it with Lego. So if we'd been to, um, we went to Hastings Caves and we came back and then they learned, they knew how to build a cave and their little Lego characters would almost be doing things that we had done that day, which it's just them making their experiences concrete. What, what are your thoughts on distance education versus homeschool? We have tried distance education before. I did distance education from home and I do really enjoy distance education. But I think if you are travelling and you're going around and you really want to make the most of what you see and do, then homeschooling is the way to go because I can link anything that we see and do into a learning experience. From my understanding of a distance education is a little bit more rigid. You're not writing a program yourself. You're just you're delivering a program. So I guess... Sometimes it can be time-consuming to deliver something that you might not feel is relevant at the time, you know, in terms of science and, and your um, HASS, which is like your society and environment. So if parents wanted to find more about homeschooling resources, uh, where could they find you to find out more? So I have a blog, which is teaching on the road australia.com.au and i also have a facebook and instagram instagram page with the same name so you can if you can't find my blog you can always find the facebook page and um, contact me from there i am honestly more than happy to answer questions that i can answer i've come from a queensland based system um so it is different from state to state but yeah, I'm more than happy to answer questions. And even if it is in regard to answering some questions that people have in um, when doing a homeschool application as well, because, you know, these things are intimidating to some people. And, and I, I don't, I just wish it wasn't because homeschool is such a beautiful thing. Good to Neil. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening to a big peachy adventure of families traveling full time. What drives us is hearing of those we've inspired to simplify their life and take the first step towards their travelling goals. So please, 
If you get any value from what we're doing, the biggest reward we could ask is that you share this podcast with your traveling buddies. Don't forget to click subscribe and also please leave us a review. Five stars hopefully, but if not, that's okay. Please leave a comment and let us know what we can do better. If you'd like to connect with us personally or have any questions, you can find us on Facebook at A Big Peachy Adventure. See you on the road and happy travels.